We're fanatical about it. And the reason we are is because it's such a challenge. It is a mental challenge. It's a physical challenge. It stretches your creativity. It puts great demands on you to try to put the puzzle together. The fish never do the same thing two days in a row. Welcome in to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. Let's go fishing. On today's episode, I brought on Brett Walker, who is also known as Mr. Bass, from the YouTube channel Mr. Bass TV, and we talk about fishing. Why is fishing so fun? Why do men do it? The purpose of this episode is to motivate all men everywhere to go fishing. Let's give it a listen. Brett, why don't you give us a quick introduction on who you are and your hobby and your YouTube channel and just everything about fishing. Okay, my name is Brett Walker and my YouTube channel is Mr. Bass. If you go and look up Mr. Bass, uh, there's a lot of people out there. In fact, there's many more people that like actually the bass guitar over bass fishing. So if you type in Mr. Bass, you're probably going to get a lot of bass guitarist channels, but at some point you'll find mine. Uh, I've been fishing for a long time. I mean, when I was a kid, we started, you know, we, we lived out in the, in the rural areas on a little farm and had a lot of farm ponds. And that's kind of what you would do. You, you know, when you had free time, we might go fishing or camping or horseback riding or whatever. So um, always been fond of the outdoors. Then, you know, life happened, you know, as I got older uh, and more and more responsibilities, got married, started having children. I really got away from it completely. And, you know, I, I would say at best, I was a very casual fisherman, maybe an even what you might call an indifferent fisher person. I, I would not have considered myself a fisherman back in those days, just someone who has fished at times. But when I hit probably late thirties, early in my career, I had to work really, really hard to just make ends meet. And, uh, so I did not have spare time for hobbies at all. Not really until my kids were teenagers at best. So I had a friend at church, uh, that would talk a lot about fishing and, uh, he was a person that I respected a lot and he seemed to glorify the sport of fishing in ways that just seemed almost surreal to me. And as I listened to him talk about it, I thought, you know, I need to do something. I, I need, I need something in my life. That's not just work or family responsibilities or church responsibilities. I need, I need some sort of a, an outlet. And so I thought I, I you know, he makes it sound so appealing and I, I used to like it, you know, as a kid, uh, maybe I'll go give it a try. And uh, so that's kind of how my journey started. And uh, I just kind of got sucked into it in a way that I thought really not possible about any kind of interest, really. It just kind of consumed me. I literally, every spare moment I could find, I, I was I was fishing after really only a, a year or two. One thing about fishing is it can be a very, very simple process 
with literally a bamboo pole and a little piece of line and a hook. Uh, the, the professional way to do that now is called Tenkara fishing. Uh, but uh, the, it can be that simple or it can be as complex as you want to make it. And I've probably gone so far to the extreme of complex that in some ways I, I probably need a course correction. Uh, cause that's led to the YouTube and it's led to uh, tournament fishing and it's led to a lot of different things, which are very, very fun. And, uh, I I've really, really enjoyed it, but, uh, I've kind of taken a, a little bit of a break on the, on the YouTube channel some, and, uh, don't do it nearly as much as, as I did for a few years, but it's still fun. And the, the fishing community is very tight knit especially when you get into uh, specific species of fishing like bass fishing, bass fishing, I would say is probably the most popular form of fishing um, in the United States with maybe, maybe pan fishing is, is, is right in there as well. Pan fishermen. And what I mean by pan fishing is crappie, bluegill, those, those sorts of things, you know, that you might, might start fishing in a farm pond for, uh, they're good eating for sure. And, uh, very easy to catch usually. And, uh, a lot of fun for children and families and that sort of thing. So I would say as a culture, it's probably, it may be more popular, but, uh, pan fishermen are, are not nearly as fanatical as bass fishermen. Bass fishermen are absolute fanatics. Um, and part of that has to do with the tournament circuit. Even people that don't know fishing, you know, they've probably heard of Bill Dance before or Martin Rowland or uh, some of these old time fishermen that had these old TV fishing shows back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Uh, they've been replaced by newer names, but because uh, they're kind of like the celebrities of fishing, if you will. Uh, you know, they have their jerseys and they have their wrapped boats and, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a highly marketed uh, segment of the fishing community. And so it's well known and uh, in, in the fish, in the bass fishing world, and that's kind of what I got into. I got into bass fishing and, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a lot of fun and it's been, I think one of the things that makes fishing so enjoyable, uh, which may go counter to what a lot of people initially think, especially people who don't do it much is many people that I've heard that are, that don't fish a lot say, Oh, I love fishing. It's so relaxing. You know, I can go out and sit on the bank and have a cold drink and, uh, you know, it really enjoys myself and get back in touch with nature and all of that's true. It's, it's, there's, there's no question about it, but that's not what fishing's about for me. And it's not really what it's about for, fishermen that you know have youtube channels and do this kind of stuff we're fanatical about it and the reason we are is because it's such a challenge it is a mental challenge it's a physical challenge it stretches your creativity it it, it puts great demands on you to uh try to put the puzzle together the fish never do the same thing two days in a row they're they're all, they're always doing something different now you can pattern them you can, uh, you can look for similarities and those sorts of things, but that still doesn't guarantee you're going to catch them. And so many times I would say one frustrating thing, uh, about bass fishing is that many, many times you may go out to fish and not have a lot of luck. And some people probably don't give themselves enough time to figure it out. You know, they just 
throw a hook in a, in a lure out in the water. And if they haven't caught fish within 30 minutes, they're done. Uh, and then they say, well, I'm not a very good fisherman, which is probably not true at all. Um, I had that challenge with my wife for years. We go out fishing and I'd catch a fish, you know, within a couple of minutes usually. And it might take her hours. She might go the whole time without fishing. And I'd have to, I mean, without catching the fish and I'd have to spend time with her and try to coax her into sticking with it. And she would just kind of give up and say, I'm just, I'm just not good at this. And I would try to tell her it's not about being good or bad. It's about learning a basic skill set. And I guarantee you, when you learn that skill set, you'll be able to catch them. But I think for me, the hobby of fishing, uh, it is a great vehicle if you want to get back to nature and you want to have relaxation, that sort of thing. But for me, it's the absolute challenge uh, that's involved in trying to catch a, a little green fish. Why is bass fishing so popular? Are they a better fish to catch or what is it? Uh, well, I, I would say um, part of it is marketing and part of it is the the, the bass fishing circuit. But uh, bass in particular in, in the United States, and when I say the United States, I'm talking about uh, really kind of uh, certain parts of the United States. Like you can go to certain states like say Colorado and, and, you know, there are a lot of fly fishermen out there and they're fishing for trout and, and, uh, trout fishermen are just as fanatical as bass fishermen are quite frankly, but, uh, bass seem to thrive in many, many environments. You know, that they, they, they do well up in the, in the Northern States, they do well in the Midwest, they do well in the South, they do well just about everywhere. So, because they can thrive in many, many environments, uh, they're just more accessible than, than say a trout is a trout has needs very cool water. They need very specific conditions. And, and so that limits it. But the fun thing about bass fishing, when you compare it to say something like crappie fishing is a huge crappie, uh, would be two and a half pounds, a two to two and a half pounds. If you catch a two pound crappie, you're, you're dancing in the streets. You're, you're, you're just tickled to death. And that's just not going to give you much of a fight. There's not much of a battle when you land that fish. A bass gives you a, a, an incredible fight when you get him on the line and trying to get him in the boat is a challenge in and of itself. So there's a thrill that comes with fishing in a way that uh, you, you don't necessarily get with bluegill or crappie. Similarly, if you go to fly fishing and trout, there's a different type of excitement there. Again, there's a real challenge either way. The last fish I caught was in Colorado using a lure. But then before that, it was a baboon fishing pole in Japan at a restaurant. So, really? Yeah. And nice. I ate that fish minutes later and it was not <laughs> cooked. And oh man, the muscles were still twitching. It was quite the experience. A little different excitement. I just uh, came, uh, returned a, a day or two ago from uh, fishing in Canada, and uh, we were fishing for pike and walleye up there. And uh, you know, there is something really enjoyable about eating something you caught just five minutes ago. Uh, it just so fresh, so tasty. And uh, I think there's some sort of a, you know, a universal connection with wildlife. I've noticed this when I've hunted as well, that 
I think some people kind of mistakenly look at things that like that and say, well, why would you kill this poor helpless creature? But there, there is some sort of a visceral connection between you and the fish that I can't even describe. And it's kind of like if you watch some of these survival shows, like uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show alone where these people go out and they have to survive, you know, with only 10 items and the one who survives the longest wins this competition. But, you know, these people kind of take it to the extreme, but, but it's a very similar feeling. They'll catch a fish and they're literally starving. They haven't eaten maybe in four days and they, and they're in tears and they bring this fish in and they cut him up and they, and they, and they put him on the grill and they're just praying to God. Thank you so much for this fish. And they're kissing the fish and fish. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am going to do everything I can to respect you as I consume you. And that may seem a little odd, but to me, there is, there's a real connection there uh, that uh, again, adds a different sort of uh, flair to the whole sport. You know, that was, you were talking that reminded me of Temple Grandin in my industry. She teaches to respect the animals because their purpose is for us. And so when we kill them or slaughter them for the use of food or whatever, we need to show them that respect. And, and, and that's not something you experience until you do go out fishing or hunting or slaughter an animal for food. Right. So I, I get yeah, that. Yeah, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I was talking about fishing with bamboo sticks as one of my last fish that I caught. Let's talk about technology, um, just with fishing. What are tips or advice for some guys who haven't been out for a while like me and like getting the right equipment? Okay. Um, I think first and foremost, you need to know what species you're going to target um, because that will absolutely impact the equipment that you want to purchase you know, uh, bluegill and crappie and what I would call the panfish species that are smaller, very light tackle, even ultra light tackle. It makes it funner. I mean, the lighter the tackle you can get, uh, the, the more thrill you'll have trying to catch and land the fish. And then, uh, the bigger the species and the more powerful, you know, the equipment has to be adjusted. Uh, so, I think first and foremost, you have to, you have to know what species you're going to target. And then you can literally go to any tackle store and explain to them what you, you know, what you, I want, I want to learn how to bass fish. What should I, what's your recommendation? The one thing I would kind of caution people on is that oftentimes people in sporting goods stores have no idea about fishing at all. And so they might not be your best source. Uh, YouTube is a great, a great source to, to learn about fishing. If you want to be a bluegill fisherman, I would spend some time. You don't have to spend, you know, weeks and weeks, literally just a few hours. You're going to find some things. What I would suggest though, is if you live in say, uh, Arkansas, where you and I are at right now, um, there are very specific species of fish right here in the Arkansas area. If you get on a YouTube channel and you're watching a guy fishing up in New York, even though it's called a bass up there and it looks like a bass and a bass up in New York will eat similar things that a bass down here does your equipment 
oftentimes is very, very different uh, as well as the baits, the colors of the baits, the, the size of the baits, all these sorts of things. For example, if you're going to fish in Texas, you can fish with much larger lures than you can say in uh, somewhere really far North uh, in, and a, a lot of that just has to do with the fact that the fish are a lot bigger. They eat bigger forage, you know, these kinds of things. So you kind of need to make sure that the YouTuber that you're, you're, you're watching, at least uh, you're kind of in the same geographical location when, when it gets, when he starts talking about specific baits, specific lures, specific equipment, there are general th- knowledge sort of things that, that, you know, kind of, will cross all geographical locations, but YouTube, I mean, for, even for me, I, I spent tons and tons of time on YouTube. Another thing that, that is also very helpful is you can go to certain retailers, websites, like um, one that, that I recommend for bass fishermen is uh, uh, called Omnia fishing. There's another one out there called tackle warehouse and, and other similar ones. And, they actually have many videos on their retail websites that talk about specific techniques and how to, how to fish them and what kind of equipment you're going to need and all those kind of things. So those are also very good resources. And what you'll find usually with the online retailers is that those people are very focused on the product. They're very focused on the fishing and they're likely to give you much more reputable information than just, uh, you know, a typical clerk at, at your local Walmart. Speaking of Walmart, though, I will tell you, Walmart really has an excellent amount of fishing tackle in their stores compared to other retailers. I think Walmart does an excellent job in providing really good tackle and lures and baits that uh, the average fisherman can, can do really well with. You're just not going to find a person there with the skill set that can tell you this is what you need to use usually. You know, working for Walmart in their parking lot, I've never seen so many F-250s in my life. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised <laughs> that they do well with with the fishing lures and everything. Um, they really do. How do, you, how do you go about scouting fishing spots and how do you find all that out? Um, it's very similar ways. Uh, there's, uh, if I were going to a new area you know, say you go into the area here, Beaver Lake is here where I'm living. I would go to a local tackle store and tell them, I, I want to fish Beaver Lake. Uh, what works there? And, and they'll, they'll usually tell you that, uh, the other way that you, uh, there's a lot of sources online and the internet and, and another way kind of a, a third factor that I think is very important is the more experience you become as a fisherman, the more you start to understand seasonal patterns. Uh, so for example, it's starting to get hot, hot, hot. Uh, well, as the spawn, uh, the spawn, which happens in the spring as that uh, completes and the fish move into, you know, what we would call a post-spawn pattern the vast majority of the fish are going to do similar things. And in the summertime, they usually will go a little deeper. They'll go into a little deeper water. So I already know first thing I'm going to try is I'm going to go out into a a little deeper water. Most likely it doesn't mean that I would not necessarily find shallow fish 
in the middle of the summer, you will. But in the springtime, when they're spawning, they're all shallow. And so uh, if you went out fishing deep during the spawn, well, that you're not going to catch anything. But if you're on the bank, fishing from the bank, your odds go way up. So knowing the seasonal patterns, and the fish kind of do this, in the spring, they're shallow, in the summer, they're deep, in the fall, they're shallow, in the winter, they're deep again. I mean, that's just a general generalization. It gets a lot more complicated than that. But I already know that in the fall... I don't know why, but the shad, which the, you know, the bait fish that the bass love to eat, they always go shallow. They go into the backs of the creeks and the bass are just going to follow them there. So every fall, that's what you start looking for. You start looking for those shallow creeks, go back in there. Sure enough, that's usually where you're going to find them. And then when it gets, uh, once the shad are all eaten or die off or whatever they do, then the bass are like, well, there's no more bait here. They go back out into the deeper water and they usually hang out there during the cold months. And then the spring as it warms up like clockwork, if you know your temperature, water temperatures at 60, 65 degrees, they're going to be shallow. So that's part of it. Part of it is just learning to pattern the fish. And then you can get even a little more specific, you know, like uh, today I go out uh, and I think they're going to be on a shallow pattern. And then I go and I start fishing and you need to pay attention to things like, uh, oh, that fish that I just caught, he was under a dock. So what you might try is start fishing under all the docks as you come to them. And if you start catching fish under a lot of docks, okay, that uh, gives you a clue that uh, it's amazing how often fish do the same. They'll do the same thing. They'll all be under docks. It's the dock pattern, you know. Or they'll all be on rock today, or they'll all be on shell beds or, or timber or whatever. So what you learn to do is you learn to pay attention when you catch a fish, what was unique about that? Was I in shallow water? Was I in deep? Was I, on, was I fishing on wood when I caught him? Was, and, you know, it gets as specific as the front right post of the dock is where I caught that fish. There wasn't one on the front left post, or there wasn't one on the two back posts and you'd be amazed how many times there'll be a fish on that right post deep on all the other docks. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, there's always exceptions to every one of these rules, but just paying attention to the conditions around you. Another thing that fishermen do uh, is they'll look for the birds and oftentimes bird predatory birds that will, that eat fish, you go where they're at, you go, you're going to find fish usually there. So uh, you just look for clues like that and, that, and that helps a lot. All right, I'm ending this here, and we're going to continue our conversation for the next episode. Brett is a treasure trove of knowledge. Go check out his YouTube channel. It's Mr. Bass TV, and he has a lot of fun things. And one of my favorite things that he does is he opens up the packages that those online fishing retailers will send you and he evaluates what they give you. It's really fun to watch, worth the time. Thanks everybody for listening. We're going to end this one with another manly mystery sound. Let me know if you can guess it. That's a good one. Check that out, Nee. First cast. That's bad luck. But heck, I'll take it. Bam!